The Senior Art Exhibit for graduating art students at Westminster College is coming up March 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the Jewett Atrium. Come through to support your classmates and see the works of Mao Brindley, Leighton Hansen, Hannah Johnson, Ema Ming, McKenna Ring, Corellis Ruiz, Taylor Smith, Kat Taylor, and Lucy Wilkes. And did I mention there's free food? There's free food. Come through and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Forum Podcast. My name is Anthony Giorgio. I'm the video and podcast director for The Forum. And I'm Kat Taylor, the editor-in-chief. Today, we have an episode by staff reporter Vanessa Eveleth interviewing a couple of members of the Westminster School of Education about the art of teaching and a few of the different things that... uh, public school teachers are currently dealing with locally right now. Kat, it's a tough time for teachers out there. No, I definitely think it is. When you're seeing a lot of teachers having to buy their own supplies, their own protective equipment and masks, cleaning equipment, um, cleaning products, it seems just like everything stressful stacked on top of each other all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's already a stressful job teaching anyone anything it's like hey what is this job oh you're gonna make some kids know math like do they want to know math not particularly do they want to know math in a (laughs) pandemic no (laughs) and uh so on top of all of the regular stresses of being a public school teacher we have the added stress of the pandemic the overcrowded classrooms are now a double problem uh and in addition to that not only in Utah, but in various state legislatures nationwide, there is kind of a legislative assault on teachers' ability to choose their own curriculums and to advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion curriculum in the classroom. All of these things are discussed in this fantastic episode by Vanessa Eveleth, so go ahead and take a listen. Enjoy, everyone. In light of the so-called curriculum transparency bills, bills 114 and 157 currently on the Utah Senate floor, I talked with Westminster College Professor of Education, Mayor Lee Coles Ritchie, and Riley Pickle, a student teacher in the Master of Arts in Teaching program. We discussed how creative teaching provides an opportunity to share diverse perspectives. We also covered how recent events have impacted the way students respond to these inclusive lessons. First, I had a Zoom meeting with Mayor Lee Coles-Ritchie. Coles-Ritchie teaches Foundations of Education in a Diverse Society and supervises secondary level student teachers in the Masters of Arts teaching program. When you're working with student teachers, what's that like? So what I do is I just sit in the classroom and I usually take some notes. When we finish, um, it's usually anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half When after I watch the class. We optimally meet right then. And then I ask them, what do you think went well with this lesson? And let them talk about that. And then I ask them, well, if you could do it again, how, what would you change or what would you add or do differently? I like this process because it helps them to continue to be reflective practitioners because the more they can reflect and really notice what is happening, the more they're going to assimilate that into their teaching practice, their art of teaching. 
this phrase art of teaching. What, what do you mean art of teaching? Teaching is so creative. When we think of creativity, we often think of art. <laughs> this is because anytime you go into a classroom, you have no idea what exactly will happen, especially if you're a teacher that opens up the questions and ideas, the way you're teaching, where there's lots of space for the students to be involved. So if you create a class where you're asking an open-ended question, yeah. you have no idea where they're going to go with that. And then you need to then say, oh, based on what you're saying, that's really interesting. Let's go into to this particular idea. That's really cool. I think the concept of art of teaching being like a creative thought process is something very different because you think teaching, you're like lesson plan, fit this, very structured. But that art creativity is a bit more open-ended. Yes, it is. And I do think every um, faculty member at Westminster teaches this way of teaching called constructivist teaching. That means that you build knowledge with your student. You don't just transmit it but you are in the process of transforming what might happen next. It's really interesting to me. I think, especially coming from the Honors College, where it's a very dual professor, instructor, I think I can relate to that a lot. What's it like to prepare student teachers going into the workforce right now? A few things have happened in the last couple of years. There was the great kind of awakening in 2020 with the death of George Floyd. And when that happened, mm -hmm. many people said, wow, there was so much I did not know about how people of color, especially African-Americans are treated in our country. And we need to do better of not only sharing that history, um, but also being more aware of things that happen to BIPOC students. And, and BIPOC is Black, Indigenous, people of color, I think you might know, but just in case. And so in the classroom, there is evidence of more disciplinary action against these students. There are generally in schools that have less funding because they tend to live in areas that are cost less money, that you know, housing is less. Everything that has happened generations and generations um, is impacting who gets the best public schooling and who doesn't. And in Utah, we have a lot of segregation because of housing. We don't have enforced segregation. We have de facto segregation, which means that you live wherever you live. That's the school you go to. And because we tend to live in segregated communities, some schools have, you know, anywhere from 70 to 100 percent children of color in that school. And other schools are the opposite. They're 80, 90 percent white and very mm -hmm. few students of color. So all of this to say that there is was a movement that we need to start to teach this history more. We need to become aware of these policies and so forth. But with that came some backlash where others are saying, no, I don't want things to be changed. And in Davis School District, the Office of Civil Rights have called out that particular district that they treated many Black students poorly and that when the parents came to them and said, hey, my child was called the N-word, my child was pushed, and so forth, the administrators did not follow up because they were kind of scared of the other parents of what they were saying. So this is complicated. <laughs> but when our teachers go into the classroom, they want, for the most part, the ones I work with, they want to teach from a variety of perspectives. They want to bring in an Indigenous perspective and a perspective of a Black American, or at least have those mm -hmm. individuals represented. So on the walls that there were pictures of them on the walls that 
what they would read would be by BIPOC authors and not only from white authors. But there are some people who like the status quo to be the way that it is and not change that. And parents are organizing now, some parents, to fight against any kind of change in curriculum. Now, this is unfortunate, not that many parents, but they're organized. This small group of parents are organized in a way that it's really making teachers a little scared of what they can and can't do in the classroom. When you're talking with student teachers, is one of these things very different from pre-2020, all, all these conversations, new conversations? Yes. So we've always talked about developing a philosophy of teaching. We've always taught about inclusive teaching. We've always talked about how funding is dependent on property taxes and all that. We're also letting them know, like, when you apply for jobs, there's a teacher shortage. So make sure you ask questions like, I want to teach in this way that's very inclusive, and I want to bring these different perspectives in. Will that be welcome here? Will I be discouraged against that or not? We're, we are having conversations with them about not only the climate where they can be as inclusive as possible and be able to teach in this open, constructivist way that is full of more creativity. Because if a school says, nope, you have to teach this curriculum, and if you veer from it at all, then you'll be in trouble. Our teachers are being educated in a way that they want to learn with and from the students and create an atmosphere of exchange of ideas and not have it be just transmitting knowledge. So we do bring that up in a way that we haven't had to before because we haven't had parents organizing against teaching in this very, they just ignored it, right? It's not that it wasn't happening before, but they ignored it. And I think teachers were becoming more aware of, oh, I need to do a better job of how I'm interacting with the students and so forth. After meeting with Coles Ritchie, I spoke with Riley Pickle via Zoom to hear their first-hand response as a student teacher. Pickle teaches ninth grade English and journalism at East High School under the guidance of Coles Ritchie and their mentor teacher, Nicole Wilson. With all this going on, how do you stay motivated to still be a teacher, to pursue teaching? Um, that's a great question. I think one of the biggest things for me are the students emotionally like influencing me. Um, I have trans students in my classes who've never met a teacher with she, they pronouns. And I have um, students who go by different names than what's on their role. And I simply block out their names when we change a seating chart and they come to me in tears after class. Or um, students who hear one of their peers say something that's slightly offensive or out of line and we pull that student from the classroom and all of the students are thanking me and saying, thank you for doing that. No teachers are doing that right now. They have other things to worry about. And it's, oh, wow. it's the tiny things that influence the overall experience. I think for me. Yeah. That well, thank you for being that teacher in that environment, Guiley. I think that's incredible. <laughs> I think it's the bare minimum. So I'm, I'm a well, little bit shocked that I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think it is the bare minimum, but at the same time, for some reason, it seems incredible. Mm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's unfortunate. Do you kind of want to talk more about how you have an art of teaching style or like 
that open environment? Yeah. Um, what I, I mean, it's my degree. It's the master's in the arts of teaching rather than master of education or master of teaching. Um, <laughs> once you make your career kind of an art and like a creative expression while also being a learning one, that transcends it, right? So in my classroom specifically, for example, um, this month it's Black History Month. So we are taking, every day I share one of my favorite Black authors and we have a discussion about what they wrote and their life. And we share a little bit of Black joy in our classroom. Um, that isn't in my curriculum. That's not something I'm required to teach. That's not something that anyone is asking me to do. I think it's important and I think it should be in the curriculum, but that's where the art comes in is I kind of have to build it from the floor up and treat it as a learning experience for both the students and me to kind of see how that lesson will evolve and how it'll shape our perspectives as a group and a collective. And I think that mindful teaching is really essential to the art of teaching. I mean, it's, you have to be aware of what you're teaching your students and how they're teaching you to move forward. I think that makes a lot of sense because you're adding in this extra curriculum, right? That's not actually in the curriculum. How else are you focusing on diverse perspectives in your teaching? Like, this Black History Month is a great example. Are there other examples of what you're trying to incorporate? Yeah, so this is actually a really prominent question for not only me, but every Utah educator right now. Um, as you might know, we are currently under a lot of fire um, in the legislature about curriculum where posting and um, teaching in our schools. We have book bans that are being talked about and distributed. We have um, people on the Utah State Board of Education who basically don't believe in diversity um, as a tool or something to learn from and benefit from, but rather something that's damaging. Um, and uh, 90 5% of my students are students of color. Mm -hmm. I have over 15 languages spoken in the classroom I teach in. Um, none of my students have the same lived experiences and not a single one of them has the same reading level or writing level or language level as another student in that class. And I think the acknowledging diverse perspectives doesn't come just from teaching the diverse perspectives, especially as a white person. I can't teach perspectives that aren't my own without immense education and trying really hard to share their perspectives. Um, right. But it also comes from acknowledging my students' diversity and utilizing that in lessons. Really, a lot of is a lot of it is authentic diversity and learning how to kind of utilize what funds of knowledge I have in the classroom um, and then put that into my lessons um, and get them intrigued and engaged and talking to each other because that's where they're going to learn the most. I'm not 
the all-knowing teacher <laughs> on all perspectives, right? I mean, I'm just yeah. one person, <laughs> so I only know what I know, and I can utilize what they know to help teach everyone. That seems like a very, what's the word, symbiotic relationship. There's no, like, dominant lesson producer teacher. Yeah. Have you ever felt any, like, polarized tension, like you were mentioning earlier, with implementing such an inclusive kind of curriculum structure, whether from parents, other teachers, or administrators? Teacher-wise, no. Um, every teacher wants what's best for their students. And if their students are a diverse population, that's what we're working with. And that's who we protect. Right. Um, mm. I administration wise, no, um, East high has great administration, um, Westminster wise, like my supervisors, absolutely not. Um, Marilee is my supervisor. She would never dock me points for <laughs> celebrating diverse perspectives um, or teaching an inclusive curriculum. But I will say that we're living in a pretty polarized world right now. Um, mm-hmm. And like I mentioned earlier, po- politics wise, yes, <laughs> I'm hearing all of the tension. Um, we have a curriculum bill that's being looked into right now. Um, And we have the book bans and stuff. But in my classroom specifically, it's the students who are hearing from those polarized parents and then regurgitating that information. Um, I haven't had a ton of um, conflict. I would say I've had some educational opportunities specifically Mm -hmm. for my white students. Um, where we're talking about, for example, Black History Month, and I had a student ask, well, why don't we have a White History Month? And I knew, I knew that that was something he had heard from his parents or from the internet, and he Mm -hmm. did not know what he was asking. I mean, you have have to remember my students are 14 and 15. Like, they're not going to go home and write me a research paper on why we should or should not have a White History Month. So I explained and he accepted. I think that's where we're getting it. I don't think the students themselves are actively saying, I don't want to learn about other people's perspectives. That's not something that students would do. It is something that their parents would ask them to fight against. And mm-hmm. it's something that the state board and the legislator are encouraging. Um, so my mentor teacher says that's never happened before. She's never gotten a single pushback from anyone about Black History Month. But now that we have that polarization, it's starting to get worse and worse. And we're only seeing it getting worse from here unless something is done about it. Well, Anthony, uh, before we started this podcast, you had shared a little bit of your experience in public schools. And yeah. I was curious how your experience pertained to the conversation we just listened to. Yeah, I think it was very interesting, especially the stuff that, I mean, really that both of the interviewees were saying, because funnily enough, I had a lot of teachers at my high school that were Westminster alumni, whether it was their undergrad or graduate degree specifically in education. So I, I in some ways, have been the uh, recipient of a Westminster education twice 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of vicariously through my teachers. And also a lot of the orientation I have toward activism, justice, politics today came from a very, I feel, earnest, genuine, authentic attempt by many of my teachers, particularly from my English and like social studies teachers with curricula that were geared toward diversity, inclusion, justice, all of that before we were even having really this national conversation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of this that they're saying that, you know, kids are actually ready to have these conversations. They're not going to just shut it down. That's all very familiar to me because that those are the people I was surrounded by. And I was lucky enough to be in an, in an environment that in the first place was pretty diverse and progressively minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I feel really lucky about and just grateful to all of the teachers that I've been lucky enough to have throughout my public school career. Yeah, I definitely did not get that. That is important, though, that you have like teachers really put in the effort to develop and enhance those genuine learning moments. Yeah, where students can just have these conversations and learn from like what you said, diverse perspectives into like necessary stories. Yeah. So to that end, I mean, thank you to Marilee Coles Ritchie to Riley Pickle for the interviews and for the work that you're doing in education and to that end here's a shout out from the forum to all public school teachers out there thank thank you for for uh what you're doing right now thank you for fighting the good fight yeah this has been anthony giorgio the video and podcast director of the forum and kat taylor the editor-in-chief thank you for listening to another episode of the forum podcast If you'd like to read more of our written stories or check out regular updates on our social media, you can find written stories at wcforummedia.com and all of our social media at wcforummedia. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you're a fan of the podcast, let people know. Give us a subscribe. Make sure to give us a positive rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody. Until next time, thank you for listening.